Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Basic Bingers. With me, Boyd Hilton, her, Kay Ribeiro. Hello. And him, John Dan, John Harris, Dan John, Johnny Boy, producer, guru, legend, editor. You never say friend. Podcast expert and friend, mm. John. Hello. Yes, Stephanie Seelan is still absent without leave. She's pulling a sickie is what's happening. AWOL. Mm. Is that what she's doing officially? I think mm. she's just binging on a lot of TV. I don't want conspiracy theories to start that I've just, I've like, you know, locked her in a cupboard or something just to get so on that's the podcast what's more. But you're capable of that though, aren't you? What, capable of locking cupboards? Yes. I can see yeah. him doing that. I think so. Yeah. Oh. I think so. This week's main meet is one of the most eclectic arrays of programming I think we've ever done on this on the previous version of this podcast. Obviously, this is only our third official Basic Binges podcast, okay? Yeah. But we did do about 70 previous ones of another yeah. name. This week, we are reviewing Maniac, the 10-part new high-budget Netflix thing starring Emma Stone and Jonah Hill, among others. Good names. Good names. Huge names. And Justin Theroux. More of him later. Our favourite. Which arrives on Netflix this Friday, the 14th of September. We're also doing Carl Pilkington's new, what can only be described as a sitcom, a scripted sitcom. Yes. You're scoffing at that. It's just a different thing. Okay. Previously, he's been travelling around the world with Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant telling him what to do. No longer a sidekick. No longer a sidekick. He's now written, co-written this scripted, and I'm going to say it again, scripted comedy for Sky One and now TV called Sick of It. And finally, a two-part documentary on ITV about Charles Manson of psychopathic serial killing fame and horrendous cult in the 60s. 70s, soon to be made into a major motion picture by Quentin Tarantino, of course. Mm. Controversially. Steph will be excited maybe about we'll, that. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about that later. Extraordinary scenes all round. And just to say that the Maniac discussion does have discussion of, of plot points, minor plot points. I don't consider them to be spoilers. But if, you're, if you don't want to know anything about specific things that happen in Maniac, then fast forward through those bits. But before we get to that super diverse collection of television programs we are going to each pick three things we have been 
watching, reading, listening to, generally enjoying in the world of popular culture and entertainment. This week, we like to call it The Three. It's pithy. It's pithy. And I'm turning first to Kay. Hello, Boyd. That's my Moira Stewart impression. Yeah, we've got no time for you to... Okay, uh, no time for this, got it. ...to fumble with your papers. Right, first up, Joanna Lumley's Silk Road Adventure, ITV, Wednesdays, 9 o'clock. Have you watched it, either of you? No. No. Cool. I'll tell you all about it. As the title suggests, Joanna Lumley, National Treasure, is going along the Silk Road as ventured first by Marco Polo and millions of traders, which was the important trade route from east to west, which allowed them to trade in silk, gunpowder, spices, etc., etc., 7,000 miles. And she embarks on this journey. Now, as discussed before in our other podcast, everyone loves Joanna Lumley, and it's not controversial to say that. But what I love about her is that She might not be the biggest expert on the countries that she goes to, but there's such a warmth about her that you just, she makes you feel like you're there with her. She makes you feel special. She oozes charm and charisma. Everyone she meets on the, on the program are just so charmed by her. And I just, it's really, really nice. I love it. She's oozing all over them. Oh God. Don't be crass. Sorry. We did review, didn't we? Her um, last travelogue series for ITV. Where was she at? India? Yeah, she went to India. Yeah, she went to India. And I think we were all fairly... I interviewed her for that, remember? How can I forget, Kay? Mm. Um, We're all fairly enthused about that. Is this better even than that? Is that what you're saying? I think it's on a par. It's on a par. And also her voice, it's just something lovely about her voice. It's like so deep and like (laughs) velvety. It's like galaxy chocolate. That's what I'm saying. When is it on? Um, it's on Wednesdays at nine o'clock. Um, Feels like a Sunday show. Yeah, it does feel like a Sunday show. Oh, all the travelogues are midweek now. All the celebrity mm. travelogues, John. Uh, yeah. I think what sets her apart from the other travelogue shows is that it's also very transparent. So this is what I enjoy about her. Oh yeah. Right. So I mean, I've made this point before. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Boyd. <laughs> I mean, it's well, fine. No, listen. No, no, by all means. No, it's your turn to talk. <laughs> Tell me, what do you think about it, and why do you think she's transparent? <laughs> Can I talk about it instead? Yeah, go yeah, on. Go on then. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, I, I always drone on about it. I almost get embarrassed how often I repeat the phrase, how transparent it is. Okay, so I'm, well, it's, I'm, it's, I'm it's less embarrassed. It's a bit of self-criticism. And I'm going to make the same point. And I regret even bringing it up and interrupting <laughs> you. Um, no, but she starts off in Venice and um, there's she goes to this loom, this kind of like business, last loom in Venice, which produces silk and velvet. Loom, not loom. Loom. Loom, loom. with an M. Yeah. Not lavatory. And no, not Lou. Okay, just no. make it clear. The last said, toilet in Venice. Yeah, That'd be amazing. there's only yeah. one toilet, and that's the canal. No, so she goes there, and they're kind of producing this amazing silks. And the the lady there says, "Look, it's worth like per meter, it's something like a thousand euros. Really expensive." And there's this woman working away at it. So Joanna's like, "Oh, it looks quite simple to be fair." So Joanna, listeners, Kay is literally <laughs> uh, gesticulating yeah, yeah. the loom. This she's is it. she's reenacting the loom yeah. in mime. So she does this. John looks like crestfallen, um, and he... it looks like rowing. If someone, yeah, if, if I... this is what it looks like. Okay, it's fine. like a motion of rowing. Mm. Anyway, so she's doing that, and so Joanna goes, "Oh, you know, darling, can I have a go?" And the the very rich lady who runs this business just goes, "No." Because she can't do it, and Joanna just like takes it, but it's brilliant because any other show would have probably edited Mm. that out because obviously Mm. it's completely pointless. But um, she doesn't do it, and another chance she gets later on to milk some cows, no, some goats, and Joanna doesn't want to. She goes, "No, thanks." (laughs) Does she do anything in this trip? There's a lot of no going on. (laughs) Yeah, but there's a lot. Just say no. No is the alternative title. There's a lot of good. I um, think you've underlined the transparency very well. Thank you, Boyd. Um, right, the second thing I want to tell you about is, is anyone watching The Great British Bake Off on Tuesdays at 8, Channel 4? Yes. 
do you love it? Do I love it? Um, I, you know, my feeling is I always say oh, that uh, I don't it, think that Sue, Sandy yeah, and Stingamajig are as good as no. uh, Mel and Sue. And that is not just my opinion, it's fact. Apart from that, it's very good. Yeah, and I know what you're going to say. I'm predicting what you're about to talk about. Can I predict what you're about to talk about? Yeah, go on. You're going to talk about Rahul. I, I love him. I called yeah, it from the start. Everyone loves Rahul. But I called it from the start. So I oh. went... No, yeah, all right. You're the only one to notice him. I am. I'm the lone voice here. And um, when I went to the tent for um, a set visit that I did, yes. he was the guy who was like, because it was one of the first episodes we went to watch it being filmed. And he was right at the front of the tent on one of the benches. And he's the only one. I mean, to be fair, they're all busy working away. He's the only one who looked up and gave us a little wave. Oh. He's so sweet. I love him. So I really hope Raul, Raul for the win, I'm saying. What do you think? Oh, I think the whole nation wants him to win. Not well, the ones that are watching Bake Off, yeah. yeah. Probably Jan probably doesn't mind. John? Jan? Uh, John <laughs> Jan. Jan isn't here, but JJ. I'll speak on her behalf. Um, the, I, I don't know, judging by Twitter, I haven't been watching it, but judging by Twitter, there's a man called Terry and a man called Raul who are melting everyone's hearts. Correct. Yeah. There was a brilliant um, little VT insert, wasn't there? Which I, that, that I, have to, <laughs> I have to commend the producers of Bake Off because the little Raul VT insert in this episode was... <laughs> The voice of it was something like, Rahul has um, befriended people with using his cakes. And it was literally like a five-second moment where he brought a cake into what looked like a, a municipal supermarket. supermarket. Or even like, I thought, like, is it a swing bath? Is it? What is it? Just some municipal place. And hands over these cakes it's... to these people working <laughs> there. And that was it. And then cut back to the tent. It was literally like a five-second Yeah, Yeah, but moment. you would be friends. And that was it. If Raul came up to me with a cake, yeah. 100%, we're going to be yeah. best friends for life. Yeah. Don't you accept could, food from strangers. I always accept food wow. from strangers. You would if you ever want to befriend me, just bring a cake to me. But um, yeah, I think he's great. And I think the fact that Paul has obviously got such a soft spot for him is a um, thing. And also Paul's giving out a lot of handshakes this oh, season. Oh, can I just say, yeah. I mean, he's no, really, you've got me on it now. Yeah, he's just really Stop just like willy-nilly just giving them mate. out. Yeah. Want, he's, he's so pompous about it. Yeah. Now. It's like, he's be- you know when you believe your own press? Do you know what it is? It's a bit Simon Cowlish. You know when it's, he builds up for it and he goes... Come over here. Yeah. Oh. And he makes them walk over like yeah, he's a headmaster. Do me a favour. <laughs> and they'll go, oh, I've got a shadow. I've got a handshake. Fucking touch his hand. <laughs> Sod off. When he says come over, is there, there any other way that that could end apart from a handshake? It's not no. like he's going yeah, to no, 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 no. back of the head. the cake in their face. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that would be exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, if he did That'd that Raul, can you imagine? Yeah. Devastating. Oh, he's so self... Oh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, and the last thing I wanted to say I've been watching and obsessed with is Vanity Fair. So this is the... Have you watched it, any of you? No. Did we review on this podcast? Did we? Not. I don't think we did. Oh. I think it was during our break when we were oh, on a break, you see. God, you see so even... it's the W.M. Thackeray's classic novel being adapted. W.M. Yeah. Not just William. Make no, peace, it's W.M. to his friends. Yeah. Being adapted in a seven-parter for ITV, Sunday's nine o'clock. And Olivia Cook plays the famous character of Becky Sharp, who is of lowly birth and um, tries, does anything she can, uses all her feminine wiles to claw her way up the social ladder. <laughs> what? I'm laughing at how you've slipped into like 19th of lowly birth. <laughs> she is. All right, she's she is of a lowly birth. All right, her parents that's are how, well poor. Yeah. That's how Kay always yeah, speaks. Yeah. John, just, yeah. John Dan, just are you of lowly birth? Likes a bit of 19th century chat. <laughs> I went into Victorian mode. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so it's really, really good. And what I like about it is that it's not really stiff and buttoned up like other BBC dramas have been in the past this is itv obviously but it's just very fun and frothy and it's it's been Loose. very well yeah it's very well adapted and it's got a stellar cast including um michael palin martin clunes but my absolute favorite other than olivia cook is francis de la tour oh frankie 
Frankie Dillatour yeah. as um, the formidable Miss Matilda Crawley is just exceptional, and I love everything with her and Becky together on screen. Is um, is she of higher magic. birth? <laughs> Frankie Dillatour. She's rich. She is, yeah. Yes. She yeah. I, oh God, Dillatour is like the god, the it, goddess. She is what the kids of today would refer to as a queen, spelled with a KW. Absolutely. Oh, not on this podcast, boy. Come on, uh, none of that. She... You say that in about three weeks, you'll be saying that about. <laughs> Get with the times. Well, it's had a bit of an issue, hasn't it? Because it's schedules yes. clashes with yes. bodyguards. I think ITV schedulers probably thought, you know what? This is such a obvious Sunday night period drama Downton-esque thing. Mm. It will be a huge hit and we don't need to worry about whatever else is on. But in fact, they've scheduled against Bodyguard and it's getting like half the number of viewers of Bodyguard. That's bodyguard a shame. Bodyguard is a phenomenon. Yeah, of course. But people need to get it on catch-up. Get it on ITV people. Player. Yeah, People do. The pogs, the people on the ground yeah. listening. Yeah. And that's all I have to say on the subject. Well done. You more than matched the format. Thank of you. Choosing three things. Tick, tick, tick. John, can you equally um, achieve freedom? I'll try my best. Freedom. I like that. Uh, see. Um, drunk women solving crime. Oh, what? yeah. What? <laughs> this is amazing. Uh, so, writer comedians. Please don't talk about your own fantasies. <laughs> Writer comedians Hannah George, Katie Wilkins and Taylor Glenn welcome guests who are top comedians to test out their drunk detective skills. So essentially, they in the first episode there's Catherine Ryan and they get them in, make them have a few drinks. I think they all have a few so drinks. they all get pissed up? Yeah. So it's I like mean, drunk histories, isn't it, on TV? Yeah, but this it's... This is a podcast you're talking it's about. It's a podcast. A pol- Good you point. Are the king of the Three podcasts. Don't worry, guys. So, um, so in the first episode, they get Catherine Ryan over. It's not like drunk history level of drunk where they're almost... Drunk. Yeah, and they stomach know, pumps. S- yeah, exactly. But they basically get an actual, real historical crime case mm. and see if the guest to solve the the case of what actually happened. Um, so yeah, that sounds fun. Whilst tipsy, yeah, yeah. So it's great. Who'd be right up for that? Our good friend Steph. Yes. Only she wouldn't drink, so she should have some squash oh, yeah, or something she on the drink. go. She doesn't consume alcoholic beverages. No. Well, she, she doesn't need it. She gets drunk she, on life, though. Oh, always. I drunk mean, she's right now, probably. <laughs> Constantly drunk on yeah. life. So, yeah, that's the first one. Uh, second, Soda Jerker on songwriting. Wow. What? So, this is a semi regular podcast where musicians Simon Barber and Brian O'Connor, also known as Soda Jerker, mm. uh. interview musicians about their songs and their songwriting craft. And last week they had the honour of uh, speaking to a certain Mr. Paul McCartney. Oh, wow. I know him. In support, ex- in support <laughs> of his most recent record, uh, Egypt Station, which is his 18th solo record. It's, it, anyone can listen. It's not, they're not going into like, you know, chord progressions and, you know, time signatures or anything. It's just more about the songwriting process. But they go quite niche in terms of like his back catalogue talking about Paul McCartney's first solo record. And even like at one point they discussed a song that he played whilst on a TV show doing an interview in the 90s that was never released. They just listened to oh, it and wow. thought. Wow. And so I think when they do that, Paul McCartney really, you know, you can you can almost hear the tone of voice change and be like, wow, you guys have really done, done your, your research. research. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So it's a great interview and I'd recommend, there's loads of episodes up there with really big names in music talking about their songwriting process. Of course, this is the very same week where Paul McCartney talked about um, his self-pleasuring oh, yeah. sessions with yeah. John Lennon when... <laughs> <laughs> they were in their heyday. It's quite, I, I, yeah, well, which was mm. extraordinary. I was thinking of mentioning one of my three being this, which is... What, that story? That's Well, the whole interview. That story came from an interview with Macca in American GQ, which you can mm. read in full online. Wait, and are you doing one of yours now? No, because it's not one of my three. Mm. I'm interrupting Okay, good, two, I was going to... It's, it's a linked, because John has just chosen a Paul McCartney thing, right? So it's valid. Right. Um, it's not a thing, I'm just mentioning as an aside... 
It's a can I just it's say can within, I just say within someone else's within the three. three. Oh, See? Such a sneaky. I mean, you know, I'm pushing out the boundaries. Yeah. Anyway, quickly, Cheater. there's Paul McCartney interview online with the legendary Chris Heath of Robbie yes, Williams' Robbie book Williams fame. fame. Yeah. Um, and that is where the masturbation story came from. But all I'm going to say about the interview is it, it's as brilliant. All Chris Heath's interview are brilliant. That bit of it is totally buried towards the end of the whole interview, and it's not even mentioned in like the headline, the cell, you know, of the piece anywhere. I love that. It's like completely buried, and it's like the whole world has gone crazy. It, went, it was the front page of New York Post. New York Post is the front really? page, mm. really funny front page about it. The Macca talking about <laughs> wanking off with John Lennon. <laughs> and it's so brilliant. It's not a big thing in the interview at all. You have to kind of right get to the bottom of it. It's a brilliant interview anyway. Carry on, John. Sorry for interrupting I'm you. Pre- is it the New York Post who did the pun on beat? Yes. And being. Yes. Mm. Being. Very anyway. good. Yeah, so um, it's a really interesting interview and well worth it for any fans of the Beatles or Paul McCartney. Uh, finally, this one, I think this is the big one that it's been all over iTunes. It's kind of, uh, if people who have heard recommendations from me before and have been kind enough to let me know that they've enjoyed stuff. Oh, uh, he's generally, being modest. All the pogs love your, your... Uh, generally, one of the ones that they talk about a lot is Dirty John. And so this is from yeah. Wondery, who the same company who did Dirty John. Oh. And this is called Dr. Death. <gasps> oh, I'm already excited. Oh, Dirty John was good as well. Mm. So this is about neurosurgeon Dr. Christopher Dunch. And it um, the first episode looks at Three Days in Dallas, where he does these operations that irreversibly affect people in a negative way. And this is towards the end of his career. And then the rest of the series is slowly kind of tracing how he got to that point in his career and he essentially it's it's like an amazing like insight into this narcissism and just like this guy who's just totally believes his own hype and just is completely incapable of being a neurosurgeon but managed to make his way to the top of the field and so i there's four as we're recording this four have been out and they're all phenomenal and it's a six episodes in total which i think uh, Boyd will agree with me is quite nice in this world of podcasts where oh, yeah. they milk you know every you, so, you get entire episodes about pointless facts whereas this is like ten I out, know what you two are referring of, to and I'm not uh, taking the bait I'm not taking the bait soft soil absolutely <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's it's six episodes, and I have a feeling that you'll be want, left wanting more, but in a really good way. So, would you would you say it's just as good as Dirty John? Um, oh, good question. No, not as good as Dirty John. Okay, but very nearly as good as Dirty John. Okay. And uh, if anyone's going uh, under the knife anytime soon, do not listen. Oh. It's <gasps> terrifying. Ooh, I'm going to download it. Oh, well, you go, I thought you were going to say you're going under the knife. Yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm having full you. facial surgery next <laughs> wow. week. And those are my three. Great three. Boyd, what are your three? Oh, thanks, Kate. Gosh, we almost forgot you. How's yeah. that possible? <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm starting with music. Ooh. Yes. Gosh, what is it? We've gone from never having music to now music every week. I know. I'm pretty much one of the country's foremost experts on music. Now. Is it Morrissey? No. Is it. Mm, I mean, you can just favorites? carry on guessing if you want. No, go on, tell okay. us. Elvis Costello. I had the privilege of going to see Elvis record live for a series on Radio 4 called Master Tapes, hosted by the great John Wilson. And this is a series that's been going for a while now. Paul McCartney did one, in fact. Yes. Um, it always comes back to Paul McCartney. Always, everything comes back to Macca, where a singing, songwriting legend of, of this ilk gets interviewed extensively by the great John Wilson, who um, hosts Front Row on Radio 4, and they play a few songs live as well, like to illustrate. And it's all about the art of songwriting, really. That's the kind of that's the kind of thread of it of the whole thing. And Elvis Costello is, is probably my all time 
musical hero because yeah even from the age of about um this is how much of a nerd i was when i was like you know 12 13 14 i was massively into Elvis costello um and have been ever since i've seen live like you know countless times dozens of times so for me this was a huge thing in a small in bbc made of studio soon to be destroyed by the way yeah which is a very intimate setting for about 100 people and i was just like and he, and he normally these things go on for about an hour an hour and a half it was about two two and a half wow. hours it was a special two part dream for you it's going to go out on radio four i think it's on like it's something like they're celebrating the album as a form like world album day or something which also happens to be the day after elvis costello's own new album look now comes out which is on october the 13th so the album's at the 12th my mum's birthday there you go very important day <laughs> this show Master Tapes with Elvis Costello goes out on Radio 4 on the 13th in two parts it's absolutely incredible he's so he's a raconteur as well as being an incredible singer-songwriter he plays classic songs like Watching the Detectives Accidents Will Happen and songs from his fantastic new album Look Now which is his first album for years and years and years and it's a proper return to kind of him doing great pop and rock songs like brilliant melodic did you get emotional watching him did you Massively have a emotional because <gasps> the other cry? thing is uh, i was definitely on the verge he was on the verge of tears because as you may know he had to cancel a whole tour recently his last tour um he had to cancel because he had uh, a small element of cancer he's very keen to not for people not to kind of go over the top about it so it mm. was reporting the papers and they were like you know they know how people love celebrity cancer stories as a thing you know like oh he was never you know he he makes he's very much says it's a little was a little thing yeah not a huge big thing um and and is he in a remission absolutely now, fine right? totally fine he looked great he looked as healthy and fit as i've seen him for a long time um not that i've seen him <laughs> hang out with him regularly <laughs> but, but it did know. sound like your best mate yeah. there meeting um, up once a week for coffee um so that but you know he talked about that as in you know what you know you obviously you know even the smallest uh, example of cancer if you've got it is, is a big thing and it makes you think about everything so he there was a little moment where he did get quite emotional but he's just he's just on brilliant form so that's Elvis Costello then um, I may have mentioned this before I can't remember because I do forget what I mentioned obviously don't worry we'll tell you Boyd Agendum here. is the Radio 4 news satire show don't no? you have good no. um, it's created by Joel Morris and Jason Hazley who are brilliant um, write, comedy writers and this is Agendum. It's a four-part series that just finished last week, but it's all on BBC Radio iPlayer. And it's like it's kind of a bit like the new The Day to Day. Do you remember The Day to Day, which is the first incarnation of Alan Partridge, for example, back in the day? It's basically it spoofs the way news is dealt with, and where and and um, it's like a kind of you know current affairs show, spoof current affairs show. It t- but it brilliantly satirizes the way everyone gets hysterical, 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 <laughs> hysterical <laughs> about every news story that happens in the world. You know, from Trump to anti-Semitism in the Labour Party to everything. It satirizes political retinas to people being obsessed with political retinas to Brexit. It all does it in an incredibly relentlessly funny way it's absolutely What's hilarious agenda right bbc radio iplayer and finally a bit this is a steffi steffi Seelum type one mm. steffi as i'm calling her now mm. like steffi Graf. she'll love that yeah reported missing have you seen your reported missing on bbc one no so it keeps getting advertised yeah me on my this iPlayer. is a show that's been going out on mondays on bbc one at nine o'clock I caught it totally by accident. Um, they repeat it, I think, on a, you know, I don't know, like a Thursday night, quite late or something. And I watched, I was watching the repeat quite late last week. Absolutely stumbled upon it by accident. It's each episode is a story of a person that has gone been reported missing by their family, and it shows the police investigation into their into the case. And it's but it's put together like a film, like a little 
mini movie, like spectacular kind of helicopter shots of, you know, where the police are going to find these people. It kind of maps out it graphically, visually, kind of, you know, the area where they are and the places where they might be. And at the same time, it's incredibly emotional as it happens coverage mm. with the families of these people, the relatives of the people that have gone missing, showing them and the misery, the, the, the awful trauma they're going through as they're trying to find these people. And it's obviously quite, there's various, very quite strict process that the police have to go through before someone does become officially missing that they can then, you know, do things like trace their mobile phone. Yeah. Like you can't just immediately decide to no, trace someone's not. mobile phone. Yeah. It has to go through various stages. So all of that is, is kind of, you're shown as it's happening with incredible access. So it's kind of a bit like a, a true crime thing, but in a way much more, I think, valid in a way, because these are, as ca cases that are happening, and you're watching them play out as they're occurring in real life, and in the one I saw, which was this very vulnerable guy who was, who, who was suffering from depression and had, a fa and had his wife and kids, a large extended family at home, kind of all of them terrified of what's happening to him and in, i mean you know in the end they find him and that moment oh, you know a where he finally calls his wife after going missing because of, of depression for a long time for days and days and days and then finally when you when you meet him and you see why he's gone missing it's incredibly emotional i don't know if i can wow. handle it and you're learning a lot as well about why people suddenly that incredible subject which i think is a subject of a lot of dramas and novels and you know some of which reviewed on this on this uh, podcast are the old version of people going missing. It's one of the big, big things that you know in, that happens a lot. And this show kind of f actually addresses why that does happen so often. Mm. It's really interesting. How long is each episode? An hour. Mm. Reported missing BBC One Mondays. I think Sounds I've gone on about my three enough now. So it's time for Pog Picks. People on the ground have picked their shows they like watching at the moment. Kay. Right, today's choice comes from Baz. <laughs> so anyone who used to listen to our old podcast will know that I used to call him Bazilons because I thought it was his name, but it's at Baz Lyons. And Baz says he's watching at the moment Repair Shop. He says he's obsessed with the skills of the clock repair guy. Boyd, are you watching it? No. John Dan? No. <gasps> None we, of us are watching it. Like heard me, of it, though. Would you like me to read the synopsis? Yes, we would like on. you to read An it. An antidote to throwaway culture, the repair shop shines a light on the wonderful treasures to be found in homes across the country. Mm. It's quite vague. Um, Wait, so it's literally just about... People fixing things? Yeah. Yeah? I thought it was a comedy. You got a problem with that? No, no not I think at all. It's a, I think it's a it's factual documentary series, yeah. Oh, yes. wow. Looks factual to me. On the BBC, am I right? Mm. BBC Two? Am I even more right? You you are, except Wales. Uh, they don't get it. I wouldn't uh, have I wouldn't have mentioned that. Yeah, sorry. But, you know, I'm sure Wales shows Welsh, it at some point. Welsh pogs need to know things like they this. They do. That's true. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it then. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for recommendation, Baz. We're all gonna get into it now. And Jane says uh, they are so clever. Hashtag oh, yeah, repair she does shop. Oh, Jane's joined in. She yeah. recommended Jane, yes, the, she's at the Lady same Bird show. JA. Sorry, I missed oh, that. Yeah, yeah, she did. They said they're so clever. It's a double so recommendation. A lot of people are watching it. A double so pog. Why are we not? A double pog pick. Double pog pick. PPP. DPP. <laughs> what? And now it's time for what Kay insists is called any other business, but what I insist is called Can I Just Say? Yeah. In which we, these aren't direct picks from people on the ground. These aren't part of the th format of the three, the opening segment of the show. And it's not the me. It's something else entirely different. But we Kay, what would you like to tell us? Okay, what I want to say is that Andrew Carrington at Andy Mank and also Lee Jordan at LL Cool J 40 have both got in touch to tell us knowing that we're big fans of the Teacher's Pet podcast 
that police are beginning to finally dig into the soft soil. I mean, this is a big moment. This is a really big moment for us, guys. And we were touched that you got in in contact with us because, as you know, we've reviewed the podcast on our old podcast, Unmissables, and we were obsessed with the fact that it was about the disappearance of Lynette Dawson, allegedly killed by her husband, Chris. And the big thing for all of us when we were discussing it was, why have the police not dug around in the garden, famously known the part as the soft soils? And now apparently it's happening. There's a five-day forensic search at the couple's former home. And so we will wait with bated breath to f- see what they find. Well, I hope there's going to be a follow-up episode. Oh, of, they're undoubtedly. I mean, there's oh, got to be. Absolutely. Um, it's, it re-entered the charts as well in the, the podcast charts since that BBC article well, oh, and the news in general. But, you know, I think the news probably helped it a bit, but Kay recommending it in the first place is Definitely. probably oh, the thanks, biggest guys. thing that happened yeah. for it. Do you monitor the um, podcast charts on an hourly basis, John? <laughs> yeah. I've got, like, a push notification to my phone for Excellent. any changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the other thing I want to tell you about is Jez Garrett has got in touch at Crack Horse um, to say at what Crack Horse yeah like the Irish Crack yeah, no yeah. Crack oh okay no yeah. drugs crack. What's, oh, yeah. what's the Crack yeah Crack underscore horse mm-hmm. just, just putting it out there and he says just how bad is the quality of the extras slash acting slash general presence in ITV strangers especially in crowd scenes and background road crossings and that's funny because do you remember what the director said when we went to see the launch of yeah. it yeah yes you said the director of strangers who I actually think tweeted me when because we reviewed it on another podcast and I think the director tweeted me thanking us for our nice words about it anyway the director said at the screening in the Q&A afterwards that when he was asked about what it was like filming in Hong Kong and he actually said it was a bit of a pain because people were like wandering around being annoying the, uh, yeah, the people and in the background actually, it was really funny he actually really says funny. one example and he was telling us about how there's this one guy who literally could not understand the concept yeah. of moving from one side of the room to the other yeah. and how it took longer to film that one second of the episode than the whole episode itself like yeah. he was just saying how it's completely painful so you've got a point also he does um, bring up the fact that you know, in that first episode when he's listening to the voicemail, this is John Sims, and he's listening to the voicemail of his wife, and he replays a bit, and Jez rightfully points out, since when can you repeat the voicemail but just last, but the last few seconds of a minute-long message? You can't. It's true, you can't. It's really... What do you mean? So, you know when you're listening to a voicemail, you can't yeah. just re-listen to the last yes, few seconds? you can. Seconds. You can. Oh, of course you can. You, on, on iPhone, you just you scrub... You, you, I don't think you can. Also, you absolutely can. So, I mean, we listen, need to do some investigation. Out, come on, you're a technical wizard. You oh, can definitely listen I to the end of a, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a phone message. Listen, I'm with Jez. I don't think it's possible. I mean, to be fair, I never listen to my voicemails or pick up my phone. Now so. that you, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, I mean, you don't, you, don't, you don't even know that a mobile phone is mobile, okay? I mean, that's the extent yeah, to which you irritation are, of Boyd's life. You, are, you leave your mobile abandoned at all times yeah. on your desk. Um, but funny enough, now that we've got into Strange, some, I saw someone else complain on Twitter about it, about, the, about it, its um, authenticity, saying that, oh yeah, like John Sim would go and see, go and see his dead, the body of his dead wife in Hong Kong and not have a charged phone or something like that. I'm like, hold on a minute, he's just found out his wife's <laughs> been killed. He might not have everything on his mind to charge his phone before he leaves That's on an emergency <laughs> flight to Hong Kong where he's never been before, by the way, and he has a fear of flying with all these traumas going on. Oh yeah, I'm definitely remembered to charge my phone. Oh I thought, no, my that co- show, what I thought, and I'm going to go on about this now, you've, you've inspired me. I think what that criticism shows is people completely can't see, like they're so intent on nitpicking 
plot what they consider to be plot holes, which just plot, which which generally aren't something that they can't even look at the emotional content of mm. a show and a story and a character. They're so fixated on what they think is something completely. They've caught someone now. Oh yeah, you obviously charge his phone. So yeah, I'm constantly on the red part of my battery. My battery's oh, always saying are. like thirteen percent. So the only thing I would say uh, for, and I'm sorry to say this, Jess, but that level of pedantry when looking <laughs> at a TV show, it, does it suggest that the show isn't engaging enough that you're... Do you see what I mean? Like, if you're looking at the back of a scene going, who's that guy? Why is he looking weird? No, but to Are you no, not engaging? No, because people love hate viewing and mm, picking... Okay. And even like Bodyguard, you know, the most relentlessly gripping show on TV. There's loads of people out there trying to find pick holes in it. I think, you know, I think it's, you know... It's, I, d- it. I disagree that people are necessarily watching it purely for that thing. Because I think sometimes when you are watching something, you do pick up on, like, a really shit extra in the background if it just distracts you. Oh, I think the thing about the extras, by the way, is a different... That is a really... I mean, that... And, and as we've it said... It is a valid point. Director totally admitted it, yeah. you know. So that is a totally valid thing. I think it's 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 nitpicky plot holes what I find irritating. Okay, well we've we've got it off our chest. I'm glad now. we've had that discussion. <laughs> is that does that conclude the any other business slash? Can I just say section of the podcast? Okay, now it does. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And finally, well, yes, finally, the meat. Three huge big slices of television action. What's the matter with you, Kay? Are you looking... I'm excited. This is my excited face. You should be excited. Starting with Maniac. Oh, yeah. Which is the slightly weirdly titled, I have to say, 10-part Netflix... I'm calling it a comedy drama. I'm calling it a science fiction fantasy comedy drama. I'm still calling it a science fiction fantasy comedy drama thriller. Yeah. Ooh, check you out. It crosses genres. That's safe to say. It um, starts on Netflix this Friday, as of they always do. The whole t- All ten episodes arrive in one go. They vary in length, I think between about 30 and 40 minutes, roughly. So it's not like an hour-long thing each episode, which I find, which always slightly irritates me about some Netflix shows, particularly the ones with superheroes in, those Marvel ones. Mm-hmm. This is a uh, Pythia show. It is created by Patrick Somerville, who wrote quite a lot of one of the all-time great TV dramas, The Leftovers, mm-hmm. which starred Justin Theroux. It's directed by Kerry Fukunaga, who directed one of the all-time great TV dramas, True Detective, season one, not the massively inferior season two. It stars Emma Stone and Jonah Hill as two strangers 
in a world which kind of might be in the future, but it's all a bit vague, but it feels like a weird kind of almost parallel universe version of our world. And they are both taking part in a mysterious pharmaceutical drug trial for their own complex reasons. They both, we meet them in this kind of uh, like hospital, like private hospital type setting, which is kind of a bit futury. Um, and it's all being run by this curious eccentric doctor who then, semi-spoiler alert, gets taken over by another doctor, eventually played by Justin Theroux. This is what I'm trying to get to the fact that Justin Theroux doesn't appear to episode three, just to confuse you. Mm-hmm. And then, from then on, once you get to, like, episode four, it becomes clear that we're going to see these two characters, played by Stone and Jonah Hill, in all kinds of different situations. So they can... In, they, part of the, what happens with the drug is they're sent off into, like, hallucinatory fantasy worlds of their, of their own making together somehow and they could be one minute they're in like 80s small town america the next minute they might be on the moon the next minute they might be doing in some kind of like thriller um caper situation so they can literally go anywhere and do anything at any point in any time as the series goes on you might find that all a bit mind-blowing and confusing kate what do you think i've actually got my head in my hands because i found this so bewildering i mean to be fair i've got to disclose that i actually watched this hastily before, uh, like one episode before we came in because i um, i didn't have time how many episodes two. have you watched Boyd? out of interest five okay so cool. before i'd watched my first episode boy's words were to me <laughs> right so i would say it takes at least four episodes to get good that's what you kind of said no, i just say get good to kind of understand the um, the whole real concept of it, and, okay. And the to kind me, of that equates of it. good. Yeah. No, because not good. To, no. Okay, Carry fine. On. Well, any program that takes four episodes for me to fully comprehend is four episodes too long, right? I need to I need to understand it from the first episode, and I was bewildered. The frustrating thing is, I can tell that like all the act actors are very good, and it's very well put together. Like it's, I obviously know that John would almost certainly love it, right? Why do you say that? Why? Because it is, is you can tell it's. He it's, likes things where you don't understand what's going on. No, it's like mm. it's well, it's a good drama. You can tell it's. Oh, good. I can tell okay. it's the quality of it is good. Right. But I just had like it's. It, I mean, you've literally slammed your elbow. Yeah, on the desk. I just found it too confusing of what actually was going on. One good thing I did love from the first episode, and it's a small detail. Oh, you, yeah. I'm brandishing my you paper. Brandishing a bit of paper. There was a little machine, a sanitation. Picks up dog poos. Yeah, there's a sanitation. Yeah, that there was, was a little a machine, a sanitation machine, a little robot on the road that mm. senses when a dog's going to poop yeah. and just like trundles along. Yeah sucks it up or whatever yeah. and then squirts disinfectant on the floor and I just yeah. think that's a great invention that should exist in real life yeah that's, that's proper science fiction there isn't it mm, yeah. at it's best yeah so John the allegation is that you're going to love this show now, I bet you, it's right up his street you, I don't like being predictable I uh, know you are predictable I really hate that yeah, so I wish Kay had been like it's rubbish isn't it so I could turn no, around and say gonna, I loved it look at him he's I five stars it. all the way uh, I thought it was phenomenal at the risk of like sounding super snobby and um, and pretentious it's like retro futurism, isn't it? Mm. So it's like a, it's like an old fashioned idea of what the future would look like. Do, do you know what I mean? Though, like with the, the like the dis, like the displays and the screens and the way the yeah, technology yeah. is, it looks like how someone in like the eighties or early nineties would have imagined the future to look like. And I really like that about it. The fact that it doesn't give you much information didn't bother me massively because I just found the characters really engaging and just like the way that it subtly introduces you into this world. Um, really interesting because it doesn't it never presents it like wow look this is an alternate reality and I thought when I was watching it, I was thinking would Steph hate it because is it technically dystopian 
Yeah, uh, it that's is. a good question. I don't know if it is. I don't think it necessarily is dystopian because, in fact, I mean, in a way, it's utopian. The idea of the machine that picks up the dog poop. Um, There's nothing dystopian yeah, about that. Oh, absolutely. It's <laughs> yeah. like at the, at the risk of coining a new word. It's like n- n- neutropian. Oh, it's like I like neutral. it. Utopian. Yes, like yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's in, in, a, in a in a in a vague notion of the future, but I don't think it's entirely dystopian. Yeah. Um, I thought it was, I really liked it. The cinematography, like it properly mm. looks like a film. Yeah. Like, yeah. and I know that we say television's getting yes. more cinematic, etc. But this one, I think, if you watched a sequence from it, I think you would the immediately assume it's a, it, just a film. Yeah, it's particularly I, I, it probably helps the cast. The fact that you know every member of the cast are like are like traditionally known as film actors. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I really liked it. Because yeah, even the smaller roles. Are played, so like Gabriel Byrne is um, uh, Joan Hill's dad and Jemima Kirk is there as like yeah, quite a great. small role, mm. you know, kind of a quite small supporting role um, from girls. Trudy Styler, Mrs. Sting is in there in, a, in another supporting role. Sally Field pops up. I love Sally Field. As um, Dr. Which, Justin Threw's mum. Which episode is she? Later on. Oh, <laughs> God, I'm going to yeah. stick with it. Yeah, her. you have to stick with it. I'm kind of, I'm... I, do you know what? I'm not actually as enthusiastic about it as John, interestingly. So having seen um, five episodes now. So I, part of the reason why I have seen so many is because I got to interview Justin Theroux. Um, bong. Yes. That's uh, Boyd's name drop, Bong. Yes. In case you're new to the pod. In, a, in, in one of those junket situations where you get ten minutes with him, you know, and it, it's, it's all, he was a delight, an absolute delight, and a, a lovely guy. And he's clearly very, very um, excited about this show and his role in it and he is so he doesn't arrive till episode three so you you guys haven't seen him yet have you and he and I'm is likely to <laughs> he is charming he is the comic relief of the whole show so you know I, as i was alluding to in my description of all those different genres you, you might have found it a bit weird i was referring to it as a comedy yeah because i was it's not, no it's not but funny once he arrives it really does become funny and in fact his introduction this is—I don't think it's a spoiler. We first meet him when he's having virtual sex with a digital avatar, and it's an incredible scene. It's really funny, and he continues being really funny all the way through. There's another scene because I've watched five episodes. I now can't remember which episode where certain things happen in which episode. But there's a brilliant scene um, where um, uh, Jemima Kirk's character, who's the fiance of um, his brother, of Jonah Hill's brother, and the brother, and they're celebrating the announcement of their engagement, and it kind of you know one of the real things that are happening alongside all the fantasy stuff. And the brother sings "Every Breath You Take." This police song to live to his fiance in front of this whole party gathering, and it's excruciating, painful, and it's a brilliantly funny moment. And so things like this happen, which I was encouraging you to think again, Kay. I know mm. you could probably not because you're very, very stubborn, but <laughs> there's a lot going on. I mean, there's so much going on in this series, and I think John hit the nail on the head. The storytelling is such that it's not explained what's happening and why. And that's kind of the whole point of it. And that was the way in The Leftovers. So The Leftovers, from the same writer, Patrick Somerville, which was all about, the, you know, 3%, I think it was, of the world suddenly disappears, the people in the world disappears. And it's all about how does the reality of that affect people in one town in America, right? But all kinds of things happen in The Leftovers that weren't explained. Some of them I don't think even were ever cloaked to explain. The fact that, like, one of the cults that arises after this happens, they all smoke constantly, and that was never explained. I don't know if you, either of you saw the leftovers. No, they're just literally chain smoking constantly, and you're like, "Why are they doing that?" And so a lot of he, this writer, I think his kind of thing, his his whole technique it's is showing you weird stuff and not explaining it. Mm. 
certainly not immediately. And you just kind of like, you either go with the flow and kind of bathe in the weirdness or you reject it. And I think rejecting it is valid because I think in this case, it's even more confusing and bewildering than The Leftovers. Because The Leftovers, in the first episode, you knew the world, you knew what happened. It was very compelling. And even the, all the weirdness, you had a, you had a hang, handle on it. Whereas I think this doesn't really show its hand until episode three and four, where, particularly this thing where you're going to place these characters in a different, wildly different situation every episode. That only really starts happening. That to me is problematic. But yeah. Anyway. So it's bo- bold, weird. I did enjoy it. I'm going to give it four stars. I loved it. I'm going to give it four and a half only because I've only seen the first episode and I don't think you can give a five stars to something you've te- seen 10% of. Um, I've actually written down four stars, but I think it's because my original gut instinct was three and a half, but that poop machine <laughs> brought it up to four. You're giving it four? Half yeah. a star for the poop Hold machine. On. Yeah, that does. You didn't like it at all. No, it's not I didn't no. like it. I found it confusing. There's it a difference. Read, it read like oh, a three, it, didn't it? It read like a three. It totally read like a three. <laughs> You're morons. To quote, oh, to quote a famous podcast. Um, <laughs> Maniac, whether it's three or four or four and a half or five stars, starts, starts, doesn't start, it drops entirely on Netflix on Friday. And now, sick of it. Carl Pilkington's new, I believe, eight part, six part? Six eight parts. part, six part. Get it right, Kay? Yes, get it right. Comedy on Sky One slash Now TV. Explain what the hell this is. Okay, so this is Carl's first scripted comedy drama, which he's written with Richard Yee. What a great name. Yeah. And Carl plays Carl, essentially. He's a grumpy cabbie um, who's currently living with his auntie Norma. He's split up with his long-term girlfriend. It's clearly affecting him greatly. And not only do we see Carl as Carl, but we also see his inner voice which is represented by him. So it's a bit confusing on screen at any one time, there'll be two versions of him. And in the first episode, basically, Carl and his auntie Norma are holding a wake for his uncle who's recently passed away, um, which in itself is quite sad and stressful. But at the same time, Carl, in his infinite wisdom, has decided to get a sofa, his new sofa delivered, and in doing so, realises he has to get rid of his old one. So he puts up an ad online for it to be taken away during the wake, seems like the best time. And he gets um, a man called Neil comes around to pick it up played by the formidable craig parkinson aka dot from line of duty and, and aka the host of the two shot podcast mm. oh yeah yes. of course yes. fans of both yes and, and big supporter of ours as well i think we love him yeah. he's great love, he'll always craig. be dot to me though yeah and anyway so he comes around picks it up and he gives carl the run around and it is hilarious um and then it's a double bill so in the second episode it's all about carl getting to grips and being highly agitated by this crying baby next door who he is furious at and how he has to look after it during the episode and how he has about turn about how he feels about babies but all in all very funny yeah yeah. You've given your verdict immediately. Yeah. Very funny. I've got more to say, but... Okay. Initially, so initially no, you're saying VF, very funny. <laughs> but, yeah. VF. John, are you a fan? So we've seen Carl. Carl is a, is a kind of was a phenomenon, is a pop culture phenomenon, because yeah. he started out on XFM, like we, we, I think we first, as the world, I'm talking about the world here, mm. on uh, radio with uh, Ricky and Steve, yeah. then on podcasts, being a podcast phenomenon, one of the first huge, big... Podcast phenomenon was. He's a pod- he was a podcast phenomenon before yeah. they were p- podcast exactly. phenomenons were even a thing. Then he actually we saw him. Um, he got part in Derek. We actually was yes. acted a bit in Richard Vase's Derek. He did travelogue series for Sky, which the was hugely popular. The Moaning of Life, massively popular. I think that were some of Sky's biggest shows were those things. Now he's got his own thing. What do you think? I really liked it. I mean, I know we've already mentioned him like three times, but it's, it's always nice to see Craig Parkinson on. On anything so that was nice a nice surprise in the first episode i think for me 
the things, the moments that really worked the best were the bits where he's talking to himself. I think I could probably watch Carl Pilkins and have a conversation with himself but, uh, forever. Uh, and let's, he's called forever. Carl. Big words. <laughs> In, On a loop forever. Forever. Big, big Forever. No, and the, because um, it is essentially him. It's, he's not, this isn't yeah, he's his not big actually. Oscar yeah, like performance. Vo- yeah. Yeah. It's Carl Pilkington, Absolutely. isn't it? Yeah. And so the the premise is that his the the one that's actually him, the one that people see, is the more positive side of mm. himself. He's trying to be a normal kind yeah. of normal person. And the other one is the negative internal the voice inside his yes. head, yeah. And also one of the things so it, as we've described, it's about him selling a sofa and the kind of comedy that comes from him trying to sell a sofa whilst he's supposed to be going to a funeral. But actually it's also it's more clever than that. That there's a there's some revelations through the episode and it isn't just because a lot of comedy shows of this it could just be like isn't that funny isn't it awkward isn't this but it actually all of it means something and it's mm. there's an emotional underbelly mm. exactly and i think that's that's where it kind of get, has probably like an extra you know if i was when i rate it probably an extra star over just a a standard kind of sitcom it's got a bit yeah. more emotional heft to it it's pretty ambitious, isn't it, I think? Because Carl famously, and he talks about this all the time, how he hates doing stuff. Like, you know, even back in the day of um, of actually doing those podcasts with Ricky and Steve and then doing everything he's ever done, really. He always says, you know, he doesn't really want to do anything. He'd rather just sit at home. You yeah, know. and he'd famously said he wasn't going to act again. Yeah. I don't um, think you can buy that after this, can we? Like, I feel like there's... He's saying something and doing something else, surely. Well, we interviewed him, actually, funnily enough. We talked to him about the fact that he had said he wasn't going to act again. Because after Derek, he had said he found it so stressful and, like, he just... He didn't want to do it. And um, and he said the same after the moaning of life. But then, he, first of all, he got a bit bored. He'd, he'd paid off his house. He'd, like, he was pottering around the garden, doing stuff like that for about seven months. And then his girlfriend came back, found him cleaning the oven. And was like, you just got to get out and do something. Brilliant. And I think the fact that with is this... Because the oven cleaning is the ultimate. Yeah, because yeah. he was actually taking out the glass panes. Oh, I mean, wow, come on, yeah. that is a level yeah, that a no lot. one needs to get. Yeah. yeah. And I think the fact that he wasn't originally going to be in this, that's why it convinced him to do it. And then he, he came Who out, else was going to be in it then? Well, I don't know. Mm-hmm. He just said it wasn't going to be... I'd love to ask him that when I host the screening next week at BAFTA. Yeah, and he just said that the reason why he liked doing this was that it was... It was he was in control of everything. It yeah. wasn't like a Ricky project that he was always trying to keep Ricky happy. Sure. And so I think it's a good return to... I'm happy he's returned because it's... I found it very amusing, very funny. I, uh, Craig Parkinson was a massive highlight in the first episode for me. The thing I didn't like, which actually probably... I think was what you were saying was good. I don't think he needed that extra device of having the internal voice. I actually found it. What's the extra device? It's the whole thing revolves around that idea. No, but it could have just been a it's sitcom. The concept of the show. No, but it could. Yeah, but it could have been a sitcom oh, just okay. about him. You didn't mm. need that secondary. You didn't need that device. You didn't need him having his internal voice. He could have just been acting out his internal thoughts. But the uh, all the emotional revelations come from his conversations with he could have gone to a therapist john dunn he could have had that but then that's he does a, go to a therapist doesn't he or have i made that up oh, i thought maybe yeah I, yeah he does well it could all come out <laughs> through that but then but then going to a therapist and getting emotional revelations through that is just a different gimmick isn't it yeah fine i just at times i just <laughs> yeah. found it a little wearying well you're allowed to find it wearying we're just well i think you're both you. trying to shoot me down but yeah we're disagreeing with you it's called disagreeance it's what but, this it's what this healthy podcast debate is all about, Kate. <laughs> I think that would have been, though, all I would say is, if he's, imagine if he hadn't have had the, um, the idea of the, of the two hymns, of mm. the inner voice visualised in front of our eyes. 
it would have been very much like a British kind of Kirby enthusiasm, wouldn't it? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it all, like, I'm thinking of that. I wish I could name that Jack D did a, did essentially a British version of Kirby enthusiasm, which I really liked. Was it Lead Balloon? Lead Balloon, thank you. It was great years ago. Yeah. And I really liked that show, but it was, ve- everyone said that, including me. You know, it was the easy thing to say about it was, oh, it's Jack D's, you know, exactly like a grumpy British version. And this would have been another grumpy British. So I think almost they had to do something different. To, to yeah. make it to make it so to separate it out from those kinds of shows, and I thought I think I like innovative things. I just you know, yeah, I'm just I'm just giving my own opinion as to why I think it worked. Yeah. Why I think almost like actually, you know, it definitely like as I say that I think I think they had to do something. Otherwise, people would have gone. Oh, it's just like opening news. Anyway, I'm going to give it four and a half stars. I'm giving it four and a half too. Four, please. Mm-hmm. I hope someone's adding out these stars. <laughs> Sick of It begins on Sky One, Now TV, on Thursday, September 27th, next Thursday, at 10 o'clock. And I believe, I'm saying this now and I haven't triple-checked or even double-checked that it's all going out as a box on Sky. Is Ooh, it? I don't I th- know. I think it is. They, they're doing that pretty much all the time now with their shows. So I'm going to say it is, and then if it isn't, blame me. There'll be a backlash. There'll be a huge backlash. Get in touch, by the way, at Basic Binges. If you do want to have a backlash against Boyd, we always encourage that. Do get in touch on Twitter. Thank you. And finally, and in a very big gear change, we go on to a two-part documentary on ITV all about the notorious figure of Manson, the Lost Tapes. John, it has befallen to you to describe this programme. It's in moments like this that we need Steph. Yeah. She's the expert. I mean, this is peak true crime, isn't it? Absolutely. Mm. So this is part of ITV's crime and punishment season, and it is a two-parter where the makers of the show have been given exclusive access to 100 hours of original footage. It's a lot. Some of which has been used previously in a film, but their kind of big pull is that apparently they're using lots of footage that hasn't ever been seen before. And also from like watching it, they've also remastered it in a way that's almost like uncannily well done that you kind of look at some of the footage and you think like it could have been filmed recently, which is quite... I'd say one of the big pulls and quite eerie about it. Um, it looks at specific members of Manson's group, uh, particularly a lady called Diane Lake, who was nicknamed Snake, and Catherine Cher, who was nicknamed Gypsy. Uh, they give a lot of uh, kind of um, to camera testimonial about their time in Manson's group. And that is kind of the big sell of it, I guess. So Manson is, pro- you know, one of the most notorious awful criminals in history mm. um and this kind of because he because you know one of his victims was a, was at the time a famous actress um who's at the time was with roman polanski the legendary director and you know a lot of films have been made about charles manson either directly dramatizing the story i remember when i was growing up there was a kind of two-part miniseries american miniseries called helter skelter because the beatles song helter skelter formed a large part of the whole um, which is explained in this documentary of their whole weird cult, um, and that was—I remember being totally like amazed and stunned that that this true story of this horrendous evil guy and his awful cult of killers was being dramatised. And so that was kind of mind blowing when I was like a teenager watching it. Soon there'll be Quentin Tarantino's film Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which has got the most amazing cast. And even when it was announced that he was making a film about and we no one knows exactly how it's going to deal with it but about Charles Manson it became controversial because you know like is he going to glamorize this horrendous figure um so what i'm saying is in this in this lengthy uh, explanation is it, you know it's it's almost controversial 
definitely to dramatise uh, Manson. Is it? And I felt there were certain moments of this that I felt quite queasy and uncomfortable watching them. So I'm going to specifically mention one thing: is that so? In all, a lot of this footage that was filmed of, at the time for a documentary that went in 1973, they're all because a lot of a lot of what was going on was there were like orgies, and a lot of it was about sexual freedom, wasn't it? And they're mm. all wandering around naked. So there's a lot of shots of these of men and women wandering Young. around naked and kind of long, do you know what I mean? Lingering, quite lascivious shots. Yes. of nudity that I wonder I could see on the one hand they're showing well that partly it was all about this this idea of sexual freedom and everything yeah. but on the other hand I'm thinking I don't know if necessarily it feels right to show these real people now from this footage wandering around naked extent I just felt weird to me that element is it, is it just me or did you did you have that moment that I, mean, I don't know I think it was a necessary part of it because that was such a big part of the cult wasn't it it's free loving mm atmosphere and like the fact that he seduced them all and that was part of his like control over them and stuff like that i know what you mean but at the time when the film was all that footage was being taken there were presumably willing participants in oh, it and so to yeah. show it now i mean i didn't have so much problem i found the whole thing quite eerie because you know they're talking to camera um about these horrendous things that have happened but they they're not acknowledging it and even actually in the footage of the two people who are interviewed in current day when they're talking about it and they're looking back at pictures and stuff particularly the lady called Catherine what was extraordinary is that she's kind of talks about it and she's like you know these were happy times I don't doesn't bring back bad memories and you just think god for even with the passage of time to look back at the horrendous things that he you know he didn't actually kill anyone but he Mm. He led them to kill, you know, five of them, I think, whoever, you know, committed those murders. Atrocities. Not the, not, we should make it clear, not the people no, not in the this people documentary. So the people not. in this documentary are part of his cult. Yes, but weren't the perpetrators. But weren't the perpetrators. No. The, but other members of this cult did actually brutally kill people. But the fact that they haven't been, uh, they weren't the guilty parties. Yeah. But the fact that they haven't been tainted, sure. those memories haven't been tainted is just quite Absolutely. disturbing yeah it is and what's also incredible isn't it John is that in that footage in the original footage when they're interviewing the members of the cult particularly the women yeah they're kind of proud and absolutely oh, yeah. unabashed about the fact that they're part of a cult that has killed these people there's one discussion because obviously because one of the victims was pregnant at the time and there's a whole discussion it's horrendous where she's mm. like yeah it's fine that you know this pregnant this 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 unborn child was killed and one of the cult members part, was pregnant at the time well, she's like yeah exactly yeah it's fine. it is extraordinary because you're seeing kind of that level of brainwashing and and amorality playing out aren't you yeah um i think for me personally the like most shocking stuff is actually right at the beginning where they're talking to camera and loading guns and talking yeah. about how they use them and as i say the footage looks like because they've remastered it in such a way it looks like it could have been taken relatively recently also um on a kind of filmmaking point of view there are a couple of things that i think one's one good one i kind of take issue with one is uh they talk about the beatles and this helter skelter plan and i know it's only a small thing but they kind of say oh and he got his inspiration from the most unlikely source and then they use some footage of the beatles coming off the plane quite early in their career and they're still they're like this yeah. is mop top suit era beatles but actually helter skelter is long hair drug taking <laughs> yeah of course uh, making Pedant. experimental no, no, music no, very, i thought uh, exactly so, the same thing yeah. and so to suggest it's not love me do he's not got yeah. the, he's not got this inspiration from love me do he's got it from a song called helter skelter which is arguably one of the first metal songs ever that. written they say that though don't they yeah but I, d- I don't know i just felt like it, it felt a bit like they were going oh it's the mop top for like 
And yeah, and on the script, and just uh, uh, to back up your point, as I totally thought the same thing, the script says something like, the narration says something like, and the inspiration came from the most unlikely of sources, mm. the Beatles. And I was like, well, it wasn't, as you say, it wasn't During that the White unlikely. Album, it was less unlikely. Right, because it was this really intense kind of night horror song, isn't it? Yeah. That song is a kind of all about being nightmarishly horrific yes. in, in, in the way it sounds and the, and the lyrics of the carry on. And then one, one bit I really liked was a bit where one of, they, they tell a sequence about when three members of the group meet each other via Diane speaking now yeah. and one of the members of the cult from the footage at the time and they tell the story together cutting between the two and I thought that was really nice filmmaking. However, overall... Um, it's slightly odd to use the word nice about this. Uh, sorry. Uh, no, no, I'm not... <laughs> nice as in... Yeah, no, it was really good. Well made, that's yes. better. Yes, not nice as in feel warm inside. That's definitely yeah. not a no. feeling you're going to get from this. But overall, I do question what this is doing, what what is necessary, what this brings to the story of Manson yeah, that other things haven't done. And I would like to quickly shout out, like, I'm going to do a Can I Just Say within the mate of podcast called you must remember this and she did uh the host of that did an entire 10-part season all about the manson murders that is absolutely phenomenal wow. Ooh, i'm gonna listen to that well i think all i would say is i think i mean i i actually think it's kind of amazing that this show is on itv primetime like nine o'clock because it's Why? well i've already i've already alluded to the extensive nudity which is unusual in itself for itv nine o'clock uh, you know and you nine can't be bothered about that at all no but <laughs> um, nine o'clock's like that's after the woolshed isn't it yeah, yeah, of course, just. but just, and also, ex- I mean, a relentless, extensive, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm just saying, it is, honestly, it's definitely unusual for, for you know, for, um, you don't see this kind of ma- subject matter um, every day on ITV primetime. It could have been on at 10.45, for example, and it would have mm. been, you know, I'm just saying, it's it's interesting, I think. And I, and in a way, the fact that it's part of their crime and punishment season where, you know, you've got Piers Morgan interviewing serial killers, that kind of is the context of being, they might, and Trevor McDonald going to prison and all mm. of that. I think that's the context in which they've they kind of get, got away with the fact that this is very, this is edgy, you know, yeah. difficult subject matter. You're fine with it, yeah. But most people <laughs> might be disturbed and, uh, you know, get it's Get in touch, Pogs, stuff. if you're disturbed by the nudity in this. Obviously, that's, take, that's like separating it from the disturbing nature of the documentary itself and subject. But if you're disturbed by the nudity, please get in touch. I'll be interested to Actually, know. a big question would be, and I'm sorry that I keep bringing, bringing Steph up um, mm. when she's not here, but, you know... She loves true crime and stuff yeah. like this, but she hates nudity. Mm. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My specific point about I'm not, it's not nudity per se. No, Boyd, stand, stand there down. Is rela- the, this is the context of it. The original film that, that was being made, clearly, that was exploiting the original film of, the, of which this footage we're watching. It's definitely exploiting the nudity of these people. There are long shots of mm. people wandering around naked panning her down honestly that is definitely exploitative so now the, the, the only question now is is it now does it now still feel exploitative that we're watching original footage so that do you think there shouldn't have been way? any in or less no, 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 they can get the point less. across without exactly yeah so you think less. there should be them less it okay is, fine yeah okay. absolutely less yeah I think I think that's and I think that will be controversial I'm just saying I bet okay. I'm, uh, that's my feeling about it but you know and the other thing is just on John's point about you know is it saying anything new? I think probably still a lot of people don't know about Charles Manson. I don't know if you. No, right. I didn't know tons. Okay. So I think a lot. Was... So a lot of people, even though he's a very famous figure, I still think there are people out there who don't know the, the detail. And I think this is so for, for me. I thought it was valid, even okay. though. Yeah, it's interesting detail. to hear it from cult members actually. Yeah, and from them. Yeah, right? that from correct. that point of view, because right. you hear that a lot was, of facts about it. But... Absolutely, yeah, and and, and, and you know in, insights into any kind of 
high level of insanity, religious cult like this, I think is fascinating. And I think it's no extent also that it's, that it's, gonna, it's, it, it's a precursor to the Quentin Tarantino film mm. coming next year. Manson, The Lost Tapes. Uh, I'm going to give it four stars. I'm giving it three and a half. I'm going to give it three and a half stars too. And I just want to say I did I did think it was good. I feel like I left on a really negative note. I just wanted to say I did think it was you good. You know, I might going to give it three and a half stars as well. I might downgrade it half a star. Yeah, yeah, I think, I think yeah. it's fitting. Especially if you I think it reads a... like a three and a half. <laughs> Manson and the Lost Tapes begins on ITV next Thursday, the 27th of September at nine o'clock. Um, and it's in two parts, so it carries on the week after as well. And that, I do believe, concludes what could only be described as episode three of Basic Bingers. Yeah, get in touch. If you have any thoughts, um, comments, anything, if you want to bash Boyd, like I said, at Basic Bingers, get in touch. Not literally. No, no, not physically. I'll never let any harm come to you. Um, and also, if you want to review us on iTunes, there's still time. And by time, I mean, look, we're on 10 reviews. We're running low on time, actually, though, <laughs> so you need to get it in quick. Yeah, we've got 10 reviews, and we'd like that to increase. Review now. Yeah. Rate and review on... Go to iTunes now. There's no time like the present. <laughs> it's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. It's a goodbye from me. See you next week. Bye. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.